Let's pray together. Father, we're just so grateful that we can be here and get lost in a moment in your presence. It's so good just to be reminded of what this is all about, and I pray that we never, ever forget. And it's in Jesus' name that we gather this morning. Amen. You can be seated. So just to be uh, honest with you, there are a lot of things that I wish Jesus never said. Um, I wish he never said, turn the other cheek which is to imply that if somebody is coming after me or somebody is being mean to me or saying something or talking smack about me, then I am, instead of lashing out at them or fighting back, I'm supposed to give them another free shot? I wish he never said, judge not lest you be judged, because it's a lot more fun to judge others than it is to be judged. I wish he never said that divorce was wrong because as someone who has lived through a divorce in his life, it's no fun to be on the other side of that commandment. I wish Jesus never said, blessed are the meek, because if you know me, you know that compassion doesn't even hit like the top ten of my spiritual gifts. Blessed are the merciful is something that I can't even conceive of. But if I were to kind of sum it up, and if there were just kind of one thing that I wish Jesus never said, that would make my life a whole lot easier, it would be when Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their very self? I hate that. I, uh, I love the music here. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't picked up on it, um, on September 29th, which is a Saturday night at 6 o'clock, and the band has been working really hard on this, uh, they're doing uh, just kind of the best of Westridge, the best of the music of Westridge. Uh, we're going to do some other things too, but um, it's going to be an incredible night, so I hope you uh, plan on attending that Saturday night, the 29th. So. Um, <clears throat> let me just begin, because uh, a lot of you don't know me, and, but a lot of you do know that I am a, uh, just a volunteer here. I don't take any money for what I do here. I'm uh, actually employed uh, full-time um, from a real estate development firm uh, in Naperville, and uh, I, that's where I derive my livelihood. And a while back, I was entering into a partnership with a large hedge fund out of New York. And it was a large enough transaction where they really wanted to know who it was that they were doing business with and before they committed to doing this deal with us. And so they decided to do a rather extensive background check on myself and my business partner. 
And I really didn't think very much about it at the time until I got this call from the fund manager. And the fund manager actually is a uh, guy from Morocco. He's Muslim. He's got his MBA from Harvard, way, way smarter than me. And um, he leaves me a voicemail, and it was a little bit cryptic. He says, Darren, the background checks came back, and there's something on yours that I'd like to talk to you about. And my, my heart just stops. And I'm going, you know, what could that possibly be? I felt almost like I was back in sixth grade getting called into the principal's office or something. And I'm going through all the stuff in my head, you know, like, what could it possibly be? Could it be that time in college when I, or could it be that they found out about that? And I know you guys are all waiting for me to bust all the junk out of my closet right now, and that ain't going to happen. But just suffice it to say that if Judgment Day is the day when all that stuff, you know, all of your sin comes rushing back to you, this was like my own little version of Judgment Day because everything was like rushing back and I was going through everything trying to figure out what it could possibly be. Well, after suffering my little panic attack, I finally got the courage to pick up the phone and call him back. And of course, I'm praying he won't answer. And of course, he picks up on the first string. Darren! I've been wanting to talk to you about something. He says, in your, your background check really came out fine, but something odd came out. He said, I, I don't know how to say this other than to just say it. He said, it came out that you're a pastor. <laughs> Is that true? And at first, it was like a big relief. I'm going, whew. At least he didn't find out of all the other stuff that I was thinking about. <laughs> but then it hit me, and I, I start thinking to myself, oh no, not that, anything but that. Like, I can explain away all the bad stuff in my life, but not that. Because I start going through my head, my cover as the shrewd, tough negotiator that I've been known for for years is suddenly blown. And now I'm going to be suddenly known as like the Billy Graham of business or something. <laughs> All nice and compassionate. And they're just going to run right over me. This is the worst nightmare ever. How? And then, of course, I'm thinking at the same time, how in the world can you run a background check and it comes up pastor? Like, how random is that? So he starts in on me and he says, so, like, you are like a real pastor, like you preach and you wear a collar and all that. And, and in that moment, I knew. I was outed. There was no way out of this conversation. And I was finally forced to come out of the closet and proclaim, yes, I, Darren Sloniger, am a pastor. But what I was really saying was, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Yes, I am a strong person of faith to the point that I'm not only educated in it, I'm like ordained in it. 
And it would catch me off guard as time went on from time to time when I would do, I'd be in my full-on business mode and I'd be in the middle of some heated negotiation with this guy and we're going head-to-head on business terms and all of a sudden he just throws it out there. Is that any way for a reverend to act? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Talk about built-in accountability. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I think that when you're outed, And everybody knows that you have committed your life to Jesus. It changes everything. And I think that that's part of what Jesus was talking about when he's having a private conversation with his disciples in Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 23. And he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. For some of us who grew up in the church, we've heard this passage read a million times. And if you're like me, you think to yourself, okay, pick up my cross daily. Yes. If there ever came a time where I had to die for Jesus, yes, I'll be ready. If I'm ever sitting there at gunpoint and I'm told, reject Jesus or die, I would surely stand firm and I would die for my faith if I had to, knowing that the odds of that happening in this country in my lifetime are greater than me winning the Powerball. And so we quietly pat ourselves on the back for having such a strong faith that we're willing to die for the cause. But what if Jesus isn't saying that at all? What if he's actually talking about something much more difficult than even being a martyr for the faith? What if he's really saying something like, if anybody wants to follow me, then he or she must deny themselves and stop living a self-absorbed life. I have to tell you, I don't like where this is headed. Because for me, ever since junior high church camp, I like the idea that taking up my cross daily is that I'm willing to suffer for Jesus. That I am willing to be tortured for and ultimately die for my faith because I feel real good about the chances knowing that it's never really going to happen. But now to take this scripture to mean that taking up my cross daily means that the Darren that I created, the Darren that I know and love, the Darren who knows and loves this world, the Darren who is confident and assertive, The Darren who is good-looking and suave. (laughs) The Darren who is good in business and is successful. In other words, the Darren that has an ego that's bigger than the state of Texas. That Darren. That that Darren now has to die. That that Darren now has to pick up his cross and now become the Darren who puts others before himself. The Darren that uses his gifts not to advance his own agenda in his life, but to actually serve other people? 
that the old egotistical Darren that I worked so hard to create should now just die and make room for a new and improved humble Darren? Dude, that's rough. It's a lot easier for me to say that if I ever end up in communist China, and if I ever get caught reading my Bible by a government soldier, that I will profess my faith in Jesus and die for my faith. Knowing that it'll never happen. But this day in and day out killing of the Darren that I worked so hard all my life to create, that's a lot more difficult. And I'm not sure I can do it. That requires that I wake up every day and I commit every day of my life to following Jesus and not me. And I hate it when it's not about me. That it's no longer enough for me to just invite Jesus into my life on one day and ask him to move out on the next because there's just something that I have to do and I can't do that, Jesus, if you're hanging around. Sometimes he just cramps my style. It's not enough for me to invite Jesus into my church time on a Sunday morning and then tell him to hit the road when I go back to work on Monday. The hard part of the Christian faith is the blending of our two worlds every day. It's the everyday part. It's the being a follower of Jesus all the time part. It's the turning control of my life over to Jesus part. It's the anyone who would follow me has to deny himself and take up his or her cross every single day part. I wish Jesus never said it. My life would be so much easier. But he did. And it's out there. And it's tough. Let's look at another translation of those same verses in verses 23 and 24. And this is just another way to say the same thing. Jesus said, anyone who wants to follow me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat anymore, Jesus says. I am. Self-help is no help at all. Putting me first is the only way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and to lose the real you? So in order for me to save my life, I have to lose it every day. Not to die physically, but that my life would get lost in the presence of God. In order that someday there will come a point, and it hasn't happened for me yet, by the way, that when people look at me, instead of seeing big ego Darren that I created, that they see the I love Jesus Darren. the follower of God, Darren. How cool would it be if I could live my life in such a way 
that I could seamlessly walk in the shadow of Jesus because I am following behind him so closely, so intently, that I'm just a step behind. Don't get me wrong, I have glimpses of it. I have those shocking moments when I go, wow, did I actually just get that right? Did I actually just deny the Darren I love for the Darren who loves Jesus? <laughs> and let's be honest. Is it really all that tragic if big ego Darren really does die a permanent death? Never to be heard from again? Now that I think about it, he really wasn't it is cool as I made him out to be. He really didn't have all of his stuff together like I pretended he did. Just maybe, the living for Jesus part is the best part of my life. Maybe the other part that I thought that I loved, maybe that's really the ugly part that needs to get dead, buried, and out of my way so that I can be freed up to live the life that God wants for me, which is a way better life. It's interesting because when you look at that phrase that Jesus says, when he says that we are to deny ourselves, and you look at it from the original text, which was written in Greek, that it can also be translated to stop acting like yourself. Isn't that funny? Stop acting like yourself. Which is to really say, stop acting like who you're not. And start acting like who you were created to be. Because in verse 25, he says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very, what? Self. Jesus implies here that my very self is my real self. So he's saying that if I'm successful at becoming the person that I created Darren to be, big ego Darren, who is successful in the eyes of this world, good in business, people like me and think that I'm great, I live a comfortable life, I've achieved some sort of financial success, at the end of the day, what do I have? When they put big ego Darren, who is successful in this life, into the ground, I'm done. I had a good run. But now, it's just game over. But if I can manage to kill off the Darren that I created early enough, Jesus says, now the real you, the you that I created you to be, you can now be freed up to live the life that I created you to live, which is way more fulfilling and way more satisfying than anything you could create on your own. It's way more satisfying and way more fulfilling than trying to continue to build up your own ego or to make everyone believe that you're successful 
or to make everyone around you believe that you have your stuff together when all the while your life's falling apart. Suddenly the pressure's off because you don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to struggle with living between two worlds where I'm church Darren on Sundays and all business Darren throughout the week. Now I can be freed up to be who I really am all the time. 24-7. The child of God who is loved by God who loves me for who I really am. The Darren who's really messed up. Who has an amazing capacity to screw up his life and yet is still saved by the grace of God. And now for the first time in a long time I have a peace and contentment about who I am that I have never had before. Well, Jesus ends this passage in verse 26 by saying something a little odd. He says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Well, how does not being ashamed of Jesus have anything to do with what we've been talking about up until now? I realized something about myself on that day when I was outed by my background check. I'd be lying if I told you that I wasn't just a little bit embarrassed that they found out I was a pastor. That they found out that I was a follower of Jesus. That they found out that I'm a person of faith. I wanted them all to think that I was big business Darren, the great negotiator. But they found out the real me. How weak my faith can be at times. I have to tell you what a beautiful moment it was that day when it all came out. Because there was this blending of who I am on the job, Monday through Friday, with who I am in Jesus. And instead of trying to live in two worlds where I work so hard to keep them both separate, now all of a sudden these two worlds collided. And I was freed up to be the person who God created me to be all the time. And another little piece of big ego Darren died on that day. I love following Jesus with all my heart, but I fail miserably at it. But every day, I seek to be not the person that I created, but to walk fully and freely as the person that God created me to become. May God give us the strength to kill off another little piece of our old self every single day. May he give us the wisdom to stop trying to be something that we're not. 
And may he give us the peace to just stand there in the shadow of Jesus.